Coming up, God says, I'm doing these things for those who love me back and who are called to the, my purpose, not your purpose, mine. And so we spend our lives trying to fulfill our own ideals and desires. I, I don't want that, but I don't want that. I don't deserve that. I, this is not, this is not, I, I, and God is saying, what about me? I'm your provider. And so we know these things because God's inseparable love gives us purpose. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One the podcast ministry of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. God's love is everlasting and complete. And guess what? It's available to you. No matter what happens in life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, nothing can separate you from his love. Join us for the message series, Inseparable Love where Pastor Rob explains the many characteristics of God's love. Here's part one of the message, God's familial love. Genesis 3, 24, we see it right here in the garden. Genesis 3, 24, it says, Then the Lord God said, this is after they ate of the fruit, they weren't, of the tree they weren't supposed to eat. The Lord God said, humans have become like one of us. They know good and evil. We must keep them from eating some of the fruit from the tree of life or they will live forever. And here's the idea. He was saying that they now have fallen in sin. And if they eat of the tree of, of life in this state of, of this fallen state, they will live forever in that fallen state. And if they live forever in that fallen state, they are not part of God's family. Do y'all get this? No, no, you got to really get this. And they were the only two human beings. You, you get, so if they ate of the fruit, all of humanity was gone. You know, some people raise the question, why, well, why, when they sin, why didn't God just wipe them out and start all over? Because he's a covenantal God. Y'all get, he couldn't do that. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He couldn't do that and be who he is. He, he, he couldn't do that and exercise unconditional love. It's not, it, it, we talked about last week, God is love. So he, if he had done that, he would have wiped out all humanity and broken his own covenant. Because it's, an unconditional covenant. Y'all get this? It's unconditional. So there's really nothing that they could have done because God was going to live out his covenant. And so he wasn't going to wipe them out and start all over. That wasn't even an option because he's a loving God, an unconditional God, a covenantal God. And so verse 23 reads on. So the Lord God forced Adam out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Y'all get this? In order to keep his covenant, he had to kick them out. So they wouldn't get to the tree that would cause them to live in a state of being outside of his family for all eternity. Not just them, but all of humanity. Okay. 
So he forced him out. He had to. And, and then it reads on. Verse 24, and God forced humans out of the garden and placed angels and a sword of fire that flashed around in every direction on its eastern border. This kept people from getting to the tree of life. Y'all see what God did? God said, our angels, y'all going to be there <laughs> keeping them from in here. And this sword going to be spinning and, you know, and they ain't going to ever get back in here because I'm a covenantal God. Y'all understand? It's like, no, no, it ain't happening. It ain't happening, y'all. Do you see what God will, the extent God would go to? And ultimately, as we talked about earlier, he would send his son to die and say, why hast thou forsaken me? For you. So that you would stay in his family or be in his family. God is committed to his. And so remember, commitment and covenant are different. Uh, God said covenant is I will no I will <laughs> I'm not intending no I will keep my covenant God says it's why it's, just, it's an inseparable love and so though the word covenant is not mentioned um, in the garden, in the garden, the concept is lived out because of all that God went through to make sure humankind um, didn't die even though it deserved to. And it wouldn't spend forever in that state of not being in God's family. So God exercised unconditional love even though they disobeyed. He loved them even though without the right conditions, because it wasn't his love is not based on conditions. Uh, what this makes it is that our choice is really we're choosing to live in the benefit. Once we are in God's family, what choices we're making is that we're choosing to whether or not we're going to live in the blessing of God's covenantal love or not whether or not we're going to obey and do what he wants us to do. Or do you just want to, you know, be out there um, suffering unnecessarily because you're not following God's covenantal love. Now get this. You see all that God went through to maintain human beings in his family? This is one, one of the main reasons what makes abortion so wrong, okay, is that God made a covenant to human beings to make them part of his family. And then some of us want to make some choices, a lot of which are rooted in selfishness and kill our babies, God rightfully could have just said, y'all jacked up. I'm getting rid of all y'all. He didn't do that. He didn't get rid of humankind. Even when they sinned against him. And then humans want to get rid of humankind, and the human ain't did nothing. Y'all see this? 
This is one of the reasons why it's so wrong. It goes against the covenant that God upheld and is upholding relative to human beings. When we decide, well, we're going to get rid of them. Really? But even in us doing that, God still got covenant for us. Y'all see us? <laughs> even after we decide we're going to get rid of a human being, God is saying, I'm still covenanted to human beings. And his forgiveness, his mercy still abounds for us. Because that's the extent of his familial love. That he would love us even through all of that. And God is saying, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Because that's the kind of love I possess for you. There's nothing you can do about it. So don't ever think God don't love you. Ever. Because whatever would cause you to think God doesn't love you is a condition. <laughs> and God's love is unconditional. So there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do that would keep God from loving you. That's why it's an inseparable love. It's inseparable. God loves you. Number four, write this down. God's love affects our knowledge of him. God's love affects our knowledge of him. Romans 8, 28 goes, it says, and we know that in all things God works. See that? It says, and we know. <laughs> we know in all things God works. God's unconditional love affects our knowledge. It causes us to know some things about how God works. And it's only because of his love that we can see this. That we can have this knowledge of his work. Number five, write this down. God's love affects our perception of goodness. God's love affects our perception of goodness. Romans 8, 28 goes on and says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good. In all things, God works for the good. All this is due to God's love. So now from God's love, not only do we know something about God and God's working, but we know that it's good. His good. Right. His good, not our good. And that's the key. That's the key. So that's why it affects our perception of good, because there was a time when we thought something else was good. And God says, no, that's not good. <laughs> that's not really good. Let me show you. Let me show you why that's not good. And so our, our perception of good changes because of God's love. Our knowledge of God's work changes because of it. Number six, write this down. Uh, God's love causes us to love him back. God's love causes us to love him back. Romans 8, 28 goes on and says, And we know that in all things, 
God's works, God works for the good of those who love him. Okay. So all things, God works. God is not saying that all things are good. He said God works for the good in all things. Because all things aren't good. But because of God's covenantal love for us, he makes it work to our good. He makes lemonade out of lemons, so to speak, in our lives. He works for the good. And he does this not for everybody, but for his family. Those who love him. Not for everybody, but for his family. It's a familial, covenantal love that God has for those who love him. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. So it is only because he loved us that we even love him back. Same thing for us when we have uh, babies, you know, that baby just came here, you know. The baby recognized your smell, maybe, you know, because they was in your mama's smell and they was in the mother's womb for a while. But they don't know how to, you know, they, don't, they ain't loving you yet. They just surviving, <laughs> you know. They, and and they, are, they, are, they are selfish to the bone. You know, all they want is their needs met. That's it. I'm hungry. I'm wet. You know, I'm sleepy. I'm hungry. I'm wet. I'm sleepy. Another hour, a couple hours. I'm hungry. I'm wet. And I'm sleepy again. You know, in a few more hours, I'm hungry. I'm wet. And I'm sleepy. And you better satisfy my hunger. <laughs> give me, give me, give me, give me, change my diaper and give me a place to sleep. Or I'm going to cry and you ain't going to get no sleep. And so, because it's all about me. The baby ain't loving you back. You, you giving them unconditional love. And so you get your end up 2 in the morning, and, and then at 3.30 and 4, and you get up again. <laughs> you get up again because you're loving unconditionally. All right? And eventually, because of your unconditional love, they start loving you back. They start loving you back. Some of us, some of us, God is waiting for us to start loving him back. God is like, I've been loving you for so long. (laughs) And God is saying, when are you going to start Loving me back. When? And so we love him because he first loved us. And we love anybody because God loves. If we didn't know God's love, we wouldn't love at all. Nobody. So we love because God loved us. Not only love him, but love others and even love ourselves because God loves. Number seven, write this down. 
God's love gives our lives purpose. God's love gives our lives purpose. Romans 8:28 goes on and says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who who loved him and and who have been called according to his purpose. So God is at work. We know God is at work in all things for our good. Those that is in his family who love him and have been called to God's purpose. See, this is, you know, this is why the world will get us all twisted off of God's purpose and get us on our own purpose. Folks, folks would say in a minute, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve. It's not about you, boo. It is not about you. Life is not about you. It's really about God. God says, I'm doing these things for those who love me back and who are called to the, my purpose, not your purpose, mine. And so we spend our lives trying to fulfill our own ideals and desires. I, I don't want that, but I don't want that. I don't deserve that. I, this is not, this is not, I, I, and God is saying, what about me? I'm your provider. And so we know these things because God's inseparable love gives us purpose. And because when we live according to our purpose, we'll say things like, well, I'm going to go to this clinic and get rid of this human being so that I can start my career or whatever, whatever your reasons are. And God is saying, no, if anybody could have done it, it, could, it was me, and I didn't. I didn't do it. I said, I'm going to keep humankind here because I'm committed to them. It's really a travesty where we've come to and how we don't value human life the way God does. I'm so glad that God loves me even through my selfishness. Number eight, write this down. God is intentionally making us good family members. God is intentionally making us good family members. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God says, I'm going to conform you. Matter of fact, I planned, I have a plan to conform you to the image of my son. And the reason I want to do this is so that he, my son, might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. <laughs> Y'all see this? God says, I'm conforming you so that you can be in my family, so that you can be a brother and a sister to my son and part of the family. So I'm conforming you. I'm conforming you. And when we fight against God's 
conforming of us into the image of Christ. I'm going to say that again. When we fight against God's conforming of us to be like his son, we are saying, God, I don't want to be in your family. God says, no, no, but I'm trying to make you so that you can be like brother and sister in my family. Uh, some stuff going on over here, God, uh, that I'd rather indulge in. But I appreciate you, though, God. You cool. You know, I'm not mad at you or nothing, you know, but uh, um, some things I want to do. We're not acting like we're part of God's family or even acting like we want to be in a part of God's family. You, you ever, and I'm sure you have at some point, you got into a beef with somebody in your family? Yeah, and, and, and you're trying to fix it. You're trying to fix it. You know, it's like, oh, but let's, bro, let's talk. Let's talk. You know, come on, let's talk. Nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, yo, nah, nah, you shouldn't, you wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, and you're, and you're trying to preserve the family, right? But that's what we do to God. God is like trying to run us down. Hey, you know, come back. I want to talk with you. He's like, no, God, you know, I want to go do my thing. You know, let me go do my thing, God. God said, no, but I, I really want you to be in the, in the family. We, hey, we having a get-together over here. It's called church. <laughs> you know, it's called church. It's called church. You should come. It's a family affair. You should come. So, no, God, you know, y'all, y'all go ahead. Y'all, y'all, you know, y'all, y'all go ahead and do y'all thing, you know. Um, I, I got, you know, I got, uh, like six squares I bought, <laughs> you know, uh, for the Super Bowl. And, you know, and I got some good numbers this time, guys. So y'all, you know, y'all go ahead. And God said, but no, come, come, come to the family affair. We got to have a reunion over here. Get together with us. And no matter how much we deny it, God still chases us because he has the covenantal love. He has a covenantal love. And no matter what you do, he's want, he always wants you to be part of his family. In fact, he ordained it, predestined it, that you would be in his family. And he says, the more we become like Jesus, the better family we will be. And I want to echo God's words to us. The more we become like Jesus, the better family we will be. So that we can cover our sins and offenses to each other. 
and live out God's unconditional love, covenantal love, right here amongst us. And Jesus said, by this, people will know the way that you love each other, that you are my disciples. I think I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Some have said that concerning themselves that, you know, I, I guess I just don't love God enough. And I shared with you guys last week, and it bears saying again, I heard Rick Warren say this. He says, no, he, he pleads to people who make that claim. He's pleased with them. No, that's not, your, that's not the problem. Your problem is not that you don't love God enough. Your problem is you don't understand how much God loves you. That's your problem. And today I, I hope that the needle moved in your understanding of how much God loves you. How committed to you God is. And how there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do to keep God from loving you. There's nothing. And God is asking and pleading and working for your good so that you can love him back and understand his love. And reap the benefits of being in his family. If, 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 if we found out that somehow up the line, you know, Bill Gates was like your great uncle. If you found out somehow up the line that Somebody who was well off had your name in their will. It would change your way you think a little bit, wouldn't it? It was like, uh, okay. But the funny thing is God has an inheritance for us. He's our father. And because he's God, he didn't write a will or nothing because he he's the judge. There's no legal system that's going to sustain his rules. But he did say, I will. <laughs> he, he didn't write a will, but he said, I will make a covenant with you. And that's enough will for me. That's way more than Bill Gates, yeah. And and I'm so glad that God gave me his will, his, his I will. And I can be confident and rest in it and know that my eternity is sure. My inheritance is safe. My soul, my soul is well. I'm so glad. Because God gave me his I will. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. You know God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin so that you could live with him forever. 
If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I sinned against you. I made some mistakes in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and my mistakes, and I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me to reflect the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to personally welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to connect with the church near you so that you can learn more about Jesus, grow closer to God, and to other believers. God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. Sometime when, when, when somebody says, um, I love you, we look for it in certain kind of ways. And we've been programmed by the world to look for love in certain kind of ways. And sometimes we ascribe to God those ways that the world taught us that love looked like. And when we do that, we err. We err. Thank you for listening.